0: Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of
1: Shelf Aware, the podcast where we are reading books outside of our comfort zones. I'm Anna. And I'm Em. This week, we are starting a new unit, which was submitted to us from our listener, Brad, um, who suggested that we should read Dinosaur and Cave People or Prehistoric Fiction, which we did. Uh, We are selecting the books ourselves more fool us however as we selected for the first book uh a classic of the genre clan of the cave people by gene owl uh anna what did you think of this book
0: Hmm. i had such i have i have a very visceral hatred of this book (laughs) i am very much dreading this entire unit now but specifically this book uh, mm-hmm. was the most offensive and gross thing I've ever read. Like, previously, it was Beyond the Highland Mist. Now, wow. today, it is Clan of the Cave Bear.
1: We're just really coming with the hits this uh, this summer, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. This is shit book summer, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what did you think?
1: Okay, I don't have quite as grim a view of it, I think. Number one, because I think my... My reaction to reading it was, oh, okay, so this isn't for me, but this is kind of, like, Outlander. Sorry to bring up Outlander two weeks in a row, or two, uh, you know, non... Units um, in a row. Yeah, two units in a row. (laughs) But it was that same sort of vibe of, like, a lot of it's about just kind of... Some author did a lot of research into specific history and is excited to share the facts about the tools and things like that that were used at the time. So if you're, like, a history nerd or a, like... Uh, You know, you like watching documentaries about how people used to make slings or whatever. Uh, Or if you hate women. Or if, okay, we can get into the hate. I I have mixed (laughs) feelings about this because, again, I think the ending did resolve some of the stuff that I disliked about the treatment of women in this book. Um, But I also felt like it was very very 70s like choices were made Mm -hmm. um yeah this book did come out in 1980 mm -hmm. and like when you're writing a historical fiction novel especially about an era where there is not any history because it's prehistory so there's no written record you're filling in a lot of gaps and it's hard for me because I feel like a lot of the gaps that she was filling in, she didn't realize were gaps. She was working under assumptions like about how these societies would behave and we'll get into that a little bit more in the actual book.
0: Yeah. And I
1: think that like since that time more about like more archaeology has and also just like easier access to information makes it so that I'm like right but there's no reason that it would be that way so it feels like a legitimate or like it feels like a choice that you made it that way but i think yeah. she just thought that it was that way maybe like i don't i don't no, necessarily Frank- think this felt very
0: reminiscent to me of people who write like a fantasy story or a story set way in the future Mm -hmm. or like on an alien planet or something. And they're like, everyone is still racist and homophobic. I'm like, but why though? You could have written anything.
1: Yeah. And I think we don't know
0: shit all about how Neanderthals live with each other. (laughs) Like
1: I think probably her assumption might've been, well, of course they were because we are, but why? So I don't know. There's it's, it's not great. <laughs> it's not it's great. It's really not. But I do get why people like it, I think.
0: Here is the list of uh, content warnings I yes. p- I posted for this book on Storygraph. Um, they are not author approved, so take that how you will. But this is how I saw it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was instances of sexism, sexual violence, lots of death, miscarriage, misogyny, physical abuse, sexual assault plain old regular violence and blood animal death bullying infertility rape sexual content of all kinds terminal illnesses um cannibalism death of a parent a very graphic like labor and delivery scene um and abortion so if any of those things are a touchy subject for you, do not <laughs> read this I would one.
1: also throw in, I don't know if you said miscarriages. I know that you said mm-hmm. birth stuff and um, yes. references to incest, I think, yes. also might be. Things that came up in this book and might come up in this podcast. So mm-hmm. if any of that is something that you don't want to listen to, um, it might get touched on. So yeah. take care of yourself, and we will see you next week.
0: Yes. Um...
1: I, I'm i just so mad.
0: This whole book made me mad. From page one, I was like, well, surely at surely the point of this book, the point of um, Ayla being here,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Ayla is a Cro-Magnon woman. I'm getting a little bit into the plot, but there's not a lot of plot from my point of view. Um, Ayla is Cro-Magnon, and she, as a baby, is adopted by a, a Neanderthal clan, and they raise her in their ways. But, you know, like, they're Neanderthals. And, and Ayla is, like, what eventually humans will become. And so she's much more advanced and special. And I I assumed because of that, this whole book was going to be set up as um, she's going to show them that their ways, like, they don't have to be so set in their ways. And they can do something better. And she will rebel against the system and maybe leave if she has to. But what we get instead is just this story of a girl who is raised in an abusive family and because of that because she is raised in that way is having a very difficult time leaving her abuser even though she is pushed in that direction several times um either by a death curse or by her adoptive mother being like you have to leave or else something terrible is going to happen to you on her deathbed (laughs) Um, and Ayla is still like nah man I'm going to stick around which I get like it's very if you are raised in the situation you don't you don't know that things can be different it's very difficult to leave an abuser in any situation but like i was like surely at any one of these like points of success that ayla has throughout her life that will be the impetus for her to leave and go on and do something else or at least Mm -hmm. like kill the stupid like rival villain of this book please just just kill him he's terrible
1: yeah, I definitely get the abuse angle of it. Um it did hit that way to me a lot of the times too that I was like this is this is just abusive, which again I think it is kind of like a dated understanding of uh, what abuse is, I get there's a lot of stuff in here that was like, oh, you know, we don't really hit our women. we just cuff them sometimes. and it's like, okay, well, that's still abuse, but like yeah. I get that in the 80s that maybe because wouldn't... she didn't get you water fast enough, right. And obviously, like I I don't think that the author is advocating for that in modern times, <laughs> which no, I did get that like... vibe at sometimes like in the first part, but I think the ending does. Like I said, the ending kind of was like to me. It was at least moving in the direction of like, hey, yeah, this was actually all bad. Like it wasn't yeah. like, yeah, she should stick with this forever, you know.
0: So maybe the next books in the series. There are six books in this series. Yes, I will never read them, but maybe we will they be playing do. a
1: game later in this episode about what those books contain.
0: Oh, thank God! I hope I hope one of them <laughs> is Ayla returns and gets her revenge on the whole clan and kills them. Mm. Um I also, my other big gripe with this book, and this is maybe me being too specific because I understand on some level, yes, I do understand that there might be historical and geographical reasons for this, Mm -hmm. but everyone in the Neanderthal clan is dark skinned and dark haired. And poor beaten, abused Ayla over here is fair skinned, blonde, blue eyes, and I'm just like, mm.
1: hey, <laughs> funny story. You mm-hmm. want to hear something really funny? And I again, <laughs> one of the things I was referencing that the science has marched on, and we now know things mm-hmm. that the author did not at that time. Um, mm-hmm. And perhaps is making some assumptions, which why she made those particular assumptions. We can unpack, but um, actually, Neanderthals probably were lighter skinned than Cro-Magnon people at this time. Cool. So <laughs> it's so. actually the opposite of what's in this book, because the Cro-Magnons had pretty recently uh. come out of out of uh, Africa, where they would have had darker skin. And we actually mm-hmm. know from like DNA tracing of Neanderthal uh, the Neanderthal genetics that we have. Um, that like s- they had the genes for lighter skin and red hair and stuff like that at this time. So actually, <laughs> they were the white ones the whole time. So th- it really makes it very, very, very questionable extremely frustrating. why it is the way it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, that mm, it was definitely a choice.
1: But also, later in the series, I will say she does introduce other characters who are, um, who have what would now be considered like the Asian phenotype, I think is mm-hmm. uh, the phenotype, genotype. I can't remember which one is which. I think it's phenotype. And those um, science words. And African phenotypes. Uh, and like, so I don't think she meant the Neanderthals to be black as we would understand them. I think they were just like tan white people. <laughs> again,. Yeah. It not great. Not, not a great.
0: great. It didn't make me feel great about this book at all.
1: It wasn't a good look.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is definitely something that has not aged well. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't. And yet people still love it. I don't. People loved it. I don't know if it was a review or a blur by read. And I told you this yesterday, but someone out there has said this book was released in 1980 and it took 30 years for all six books for the, for the. Series to be completed and it held america captive the entire time and i was like i don't, I don't know.
1: <laughs> okay why though <laughs> i mean like it was a movie with daryl hannah so i yeah, guess Yeah, i did see that people you know liked that i guess um yes
0: they were gonna have a show on lifetime but it did get canceled
1: I wonder why which part of this book they had trouble adapting to modern times.
0: Uh, yeah, um, probably all of the uh, the beating and sexual assault.
1: I was gonna go with the fact that the characters are like six when they have sex, which also would disturbing. Yeah, we'll get into that later. Um, oh my god. Uh, okay, so is there anyone you would recommend this book to? I feel like me
0: personally, no. Yeah. I think if you are someone who likes history I I would go find something more modern and reliable um, I don't like something published in 1980 like I don't know there's things that have come out more recently I'm sure that would have yeah. some that more updated science in it um, I this book it's so repetitive it is so boring um and it's so long it's like 500 pages long just I I recommend everybody stay away <laughs> uh- <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will say, like you almost said but didn't, um, if you do like history, eh, I don't know. It It's hard. Like I said, it is hard because although I do get, like, why people do enjoy this book because it is like a, a saga of a series with, like, kind of epic, you know, feeling to it as it goes mm-hmm. on. And uh, there there are interesting things about the time that, like, for her to her credit, she researched a lot. It just certain stuff wasn't known at the time that she wrote yeah. this. Um maybe like if you're really big into historical medicinal things. Yeah, yeah. So again, like outlander fans. Um and also <laughs> if you have like a a strong tolerance for like violence against women, Shitty violence stuff. against children, all of that. Yeah. Um so Maybe read it, but, like, with a lot of cautions, I guess, is kind of yeah. where I'm at. Feel free to finish
0: and put it down at any point in the book. Mm-hmm. You don't. <laughs> it's
1: not worth it. Or maybe uh,
0: just start at book two. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't know if it's. We'll get into it. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about, on a more positive note, stuff we would suggest. Uh, What have you been reading
0: what have i been reading um i have been (laughs) this book zaps so much of my energy (laughs) (laughs) i um started reading this like younger ya contemporary romance called k-pop confidential i think Mm. it might be a romance i don't know if it is actually um it's a ya contemporary of some kind Called K-pop Confidential by I want to say Stephen Lee, and I would be correct. Um, by Stephen Lee, and it's about a 15-year-old Korean-American girl who, uh, is selected at an audition out of like thousands of other girls to go to South Korea to train to become a K-pop idol, or like the chance to become a K-pop idol. Um and it kind of goes a lot into like the behind the scenes of what happens in life as a trainee so that's kind of interesting if you're into K-pop, um and you don't mind like a younger, YA. Yeah, it sounds novel. fun. And then I also there was something else I was reading. I've been playing a lot of Dragon Age Inquisition because I was like this nice. is my comfort game and I need it. I need to romance colon again probably. I keep every time I play I'm like I'm gonna romance Solas. I'm gonna romance someone else. I never do. Uh, <laughs> I started listening on audiobook to *The Bone Maker* by Sarah Beth Durst, which is a um, a book about a woman who's like a necromancer, and she has to go and collect uh, recently deceased bones of people in order to bring her husband back to life. Um, so, if, like, she's been doing this; like, he's been dead, but she's kind of, every time she gets a little bit of human bones she brings them back to life for however much time that they have but every time she does that it takes years off of her own life <sighs> um, and then I haven't gotten any further into the plot than that but sounds it good though good. Yeah. I yeah, like a good necromancer of
1: course who doesn't
0: yeah exactly
1: <laughs> how about you um, I finished uh, The Unbroken by C.L. Clark which I know has been getting a lot of heat oh. a lot of positive praise recently yeah. and i will add my voice to the mix uh Excellent. it was super super good like it's it's high fantasy ish in the sense of like it's set in a totally different world um but there's mm-hmm. not a ton of like magic use at least in this first one uh a little bit more towards the end spoiler spoilers but um it's about this woman who's a conscript in this imperial army um but is from the like conquered nation and they're sending them back to basically be like police state there um Mm -hmm. and then all of this drama goes down with like her getting falsely accused of stuff and getting in trouble with the army and in the meantime there is a the princess of the empire is also there and trying to do a bunch of political stuff and she ends up hiring um this conscript as her aide to be like the go-between between her and the rebels in the city to try to like come to a peace and it's all sorts of drama and like backstabbing and everybody's got their own motives and uh, very fun book very um interesting and i'm interested to see where the series goes because yes. it ended in a a way that not totally unexpected but makes me curious where the second book is gonna go mm-hmm. for sure
0: it's been on my tbr for a while mm-hmm. i recently recommended it to a friend just based off the synopsis i was like this will probably be cool and i will probably read this soon. yeah it was course, good i liked it i haven't because i'm a terrible person um <laughs> but my friend also very much enjoyed the book i believe it was a little bit he said slow at the
1: beginning a little bit mm-hmm. but Once you get into it, though, it's fun. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess I have to read it to people I know say they like it. They have similar reading tastes to me, so... All right. Let's talk about Ayla. Let's talk about her journey. (laughs) Let's talk about Clan of the Cave Bear, or as I like to call it, Little House in the Big Woods BCE. (laughs) Because... (laughs)
1: Boy, yep. was there a lot of chores in this one. A lot book. of chores in this one. A lot I don't of know, chores. I feel like this, the chore book. Maybe there's like a better name for it, like technological tourism or something, where it's just like mm. we don't really care about the plot. I just want to show you the cool things, right? The novelization
0: like, of agro tourism.
1: <laughs> yeah, because it's like this little house in the prairie. I think we said the Honor Harrington, the first book was basically this. Like, yeah, oh yeah, that's
0: right. It's just um, like kind of showing off, not like sh- like you know, just being like. Yeah. This look is how at, things would be if my world were real. I did all of this work. Please, please read.
1: <laughs> so it's not even like contained to a time period or like or real. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's it doesn't have to be based in reality, but it is this very all specific hard sci-fi. thing of like yeah, basically of like just look at the neat stuff I found.
0: <laughs> so should we is so that we have hard sci-fi, should we call it hard
1: historical fiction? But I Hard histfic. <laughs> I, it's not even like, because I, I would, I mean, I guess chores books is like the best hmm. term for it. I don't know. <laughs> well,
0: uh, Ayla, five-year-old crow magnon girl, is separated from her family because they die in an earthquake. <laughs> so uh,
1: separate is one word for it, I guess. Yeah.
0: Permanently separated by, <laughs> by the... Uh, death of her family she wanders around forever in the wild and is um, on the verge of death at one point she's like trapped in a cave by a cave lion who scratches her up but doesn't kill her she's able to find a way out Uh, she's found by Isa, who is the medicine woman of uh, a clan of Neanderthals who are out bringing home food from their last successful hunt and she's the medicine woman so she sees this um she refers to very ugly child and she's like I need to heal her and she goes and she asks the leader of the clan who is her brother um can I heal her and keep her
1: and he's like yeah I fucking guess like i um, don't whatever we were introduced to this idea that the neanderthals are n- the the way neanderthals <laughs> work is that they're big old brains
0: they're so oh my fucking yes so, so big in the this. back
1: um They're the biggest
0: brains ever invented.
1: They got huge, big brains, big brains in the back. And that's where all the memory is, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But they Mm -hmm. don't have the front part that makes you think think of of the future. So the Neanderthals have genetic memory where they can remember everything that ever happened. So basically they work like... The Supreme Court, where it's like, we have to look at all of the precedents, precedent. right? And if there's yeah. not a precedent, mm, I guess we have to set one. But they can't do the setting precedents part. So they're just like, oh, we're, we've never dealt with this exact situation. So whatever, I guess. I can't think of what the consequences would be because yeah. we've never dealt with it. And that is also why they are doomed to go extinct, because they can't adapt to climate change. <laughs> sure. Okay. Sure. I guess. Yeah. So
0: they all, every clan has a magic, magical person who can convene with the spirits of their, the totem spirits of the clan called the Mogur. Um, Or yeah, is that right? Mogur. Yeah.
1: I was going Mogur, but mm. I feel like Mogur is probably better. I don't I- know. <laughs>
0: was listening to the audiobook on 2- 2X. And I told you this also, sorry. Sorry, everybody. Um, or I guess just sorry, M. I I have to repeat my stories <laughs> to you. I was I listening dare. to the audiobook as a supplement to reading the actual book for when I just couldn't physically have my eyes listening, <laughs> reading this story anymore. Um, and all of the names are so, like, just their noises that, that a Neanderthal would be able to say. Aga, they all sound Oga. exactly the
1: same. It is uh Ica, very same, mm-hmm. same, and the audiobook at two times is just and I'm, I don't know anyone's name is or what they did in this book because hey, hey, I read it and I don't know any of their names. I would read like a paragraph in which multiple people were being mentioned and I couldn't follow like, it because I'm know. like, which. Vowel G vowel name? Are you talking about? I can't remember. Truly,
0: this. it didn't matter at all, except for like what job they had, and only like three people have jobs, so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Mogur can commune with the. Um, I think I said convene earlier. I meant commune. He can commune with the spirit totems, and um, they he has come to the conclusion that Ayla will bring them luck if they keep her. So they convince the leaders to adopt her officially into the clan and she, she becomes clan. And with that, she has to learn how women in Neanderthal society work, which is very different from Cro-Magnon, Magnum, all these words, Cro-Magnon people would live because Cro-Magnon people are so much more advanced and smart, I guess.
1: I don't think it was so much that they're supposed to be advanced or smart because they do go out of their way to be like the Neanderthals are very smart, it's just they don't have this one function, right? And I think mm-hmm. that like they They make- also don't
0: can't use like they don't have language or
1: Yeah. Um although that that's slightly more based in like science than yeah. the like psychic genetic memory thing. Um but <laughs> they can't count uh the i i I think she even like makes a point at one point to like discuss how their genetic memory thing has basically created this like hugely gendered society in that like yes because they can't all like have all of the memories or else their brains won't Their brains, there's too much. They can't handle it. Their brains can't get any bigger. So they've had to, like, diversify in this way where it's like, okay, the women just all remember this stuff. And the men just remember all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Which, okay, I guess, whatever. But, again, it gets to the, like, you had any possibility of any way to, like, structure this society that you're Mm -hmm. basically creating whole cloth because we just don't know what neanderthal societies were like and we can only Mm. make informed guesses based on the archaeological record so why did you choose this like i don't exactly well and they even mention in the book too that like women
0: used to be able to commune with the spirits and they had a lot more power Mm -hmm. they used to hunt and stuff in in the clans but then the men got jealous and took that away from them and so women just forgot how to do that, but if they can remember all memories, then they're just still continuing to
1: I choose think, to forget. <laughs> I think there's something about like only the Mogger can like go into those deep, deep memories and bring mm-hmm. them forward. And be telepathic, with... he can share the memories with everyone yeah. else. As Which, if they're
0: all like tripping balls, apparently. Con- yeah,
1: I was like, it's kind of unclear how much of this like genetic memory stuff is actual genetic memory, and how much of it is just their high. Like, I don't yeah. really know. Um, But, yeah, so I guess, like, since the women couldn't use the spirits anymore, then they couldn't do that to access those deep memories, so they couldn't remember that they had done that. Mm. I don't know.
0: Yes. And well it's even further divided too because Isa is the medicine woman of the clan mm-hmm. but no one else none of the other women even though this is like a woman's science mm-hmm. none of the other women of the clan can remember the memories of the medicine women so like because they're all descended from
1: one person, one medicine woman one yeah which that seems highly unlikely in a clan, in a clan of like 25 Couldn't people possibly. that no. you have like a perfect line of of inheritance without any of the other clan members having that same inha- whatever. It's yeah. Fun. With
0: the amount of sex that everyone is just having mm-hmm. willy nilly. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's another thing we learned right at the beginning of the book, like right at the beginning of the book is that the, the clan's views on sex are that it's just men sometimes need to relieve themselves mm-hmm. so they can signal to any woman in the clan and she can assume the position and let the man have sex with her. And that's and they just do it anytime, anywhere. Even if that woman's mate is there, it's fine. Um, but also, they don't have any understanding of conception either. And so, it's just there's there's got to be so many medicine women out there. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah yeah it just I mean they kind of pay lip service to this idea of like oh it would be rude to take another man's mate like just Mm willy-nilly so it doesn't happen a ton but it definitely happens it definitely does happen yeah well (laughs) then right like so uh, I guess if you were making the argument that it has to be from the maternal line that's a little bit easier to track but Mm -hmm. still like there would be you know what if a medicine woman has two daughters and then as is the case in this book sort of, and then one of the daughters continues to be the medicine woman and has like her line of medicine women. And then one of the other daughters just marries into the clan. Like, yeah. Okay. So like do all of her is, wouldn't there be like multiple instances of that happening? And eventually everybody's going to have the same memories. Cause again, your clan is only like 25 people, which brings mm-hmm. up the whole inbreeding thing, but whatever. Mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. It, yeah it doesn't it doesn't super make sense <laughs> no <laughs> um and to add on to this the
0: women and girls are considered women in neanderthal clans when they have their first menses as they refer to it in the book i i don't like the word menses like i know that that's I think like they say menar menarch menards Mm. save big money at menards no it's
1: that (laughs) word maybe this is just pronounced menses and this is just a word that i've never but it's m-e-n-a-r-c-h-e menarche oh i don't know if that
0: word came up in the audio book it just sounded like
1: (laughs) yeah that's the word they usually used to refer to it because i specifically remember the one line where they're talking about um how some girls hymens are broken before their first monarch because of uh menarche possibly menses i don't know this Mm -hmm, is this is like the time that i found out segway was spelled that way and that's not a different word. So um, way way. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely thought it was just seg and then seg way. It was spelled like the the thing. That now, you write when on. you
0: say seg, mm-hmm. I do have to ask because this mm-hmm. is a point of contention. How would you spell that?
1: S a s e g u e. Okay. That word, not s a g. Yeah, that's also. Are you saying sag? Yes, I understand that I say words funny and
0: It's not just you. It's just a regional thing.
1: I just want to make sure I'm understanding. Listen, don't let don't make me call my dad. He's going to be mad.
0: <laughs> BAG and EGG should not rhyme. They do. I, I don't I'm know saying. what you're talking they about. They should not. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> what was they saying? I forgot. Menses. Oh, the menses. Yes. But the girls are having their first periods like when they turn 6. And so then they just become breeding stock.
1: So we got to talk about this. All right. I just want to just sit down and have a discussion about this um, because I believe what has happened here Mm -hmm. is that Miss Owl has made a big logical leap in understanding statistics. Because I think probably what happened was she heard the stat... Mm-hmm. that most the average neanderthal lifespan was 25. It's like I,
0: people who think in the middle ages kids were getting married and mm-hmm. having babies. It's not.
1: So, to be clear, the average lifespan Was 25 or whatever, you know, number you're going to pull up for this stat that people always like to bring up as a point. Because this always comes up in fucking like red pill bullshit about how we should all be fucking teenagers. We shouldn't. Um, Stop. We should not, to be clear. (laughs) Um, But. The reason that life expectancy or that that life expectancy was what it is, is not because people had a much quicker lifespan where by the time you were 30, you were were ancient and so everything had to be adjusted for that. And so you would have been done with childhood by five. Like, yeah, it's because most people died as a baby. Like that's infant mortality was so high, so high. (laughs) So there is nothing really to suggest that a woman's, period in prehistorical times would start that early and in fact if anything the science that we have indicates that in hunter-gatherer societies periods tend to start later now again to be totally like clear that is not necessarily good evidence for that would also be the case in prehistoric times because uh, generally hunter-gatherer societies today also have issues with finding like full nutrition because of the way that you know they are not allowed to hunt and gather as freely as they probably should be um so all that to say we have no fucking clue what time periods would start in Mm prehistory so the fact that you chose to make them start at six is wild
0: absolutely wild and and isa she does spoiler she dies she's 26 when she dies so i guess you could be like okay well let's imagine they're like
1: cats. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, cats have a pretty long yeah. lifespan too. Six-year-old cat probably having babies.
1: Right. I but, think that's that's the argument that Owl is trying to make. That yes, they sh- like they're just like animals. Is, they're goblin, or like goblins in D&D, that their lifespan is shorter and so you have to mm-hmm. adjust for that, right? Yes. But even if you do, you still have the issue of there are parts in this book where they say things like, oh, some boys and girls played at having sex before they became adults and sometimes the men used the girls too before they yes became full women. a
0: particularly coquettish young girl yes. like so ew, that is ew. just
1: pedophilia by any definition as we understand pedophilia to be attraction yes. to a minor who has not gone through uh puberty yet so mm-hmm. that is what that is even mm-hmm. if you want to make the the claim that everything that happens with Isla is not because she's, like, fully matured or whatever, which is gross, but, you know, whatever. Um, they do have instances of just full-on having sex with what their species would consider children in this book. Yes. So here we are. Here so is here this we book. are. Here we, we are. are
0: being super grossed out by all of the sexual activity in this book.
1: Standing on a precipice, looking, looking into the darkness.
0: Ugh. I was so disturbed by all the sexual activity in this book. I... Again, this is a choice you are making mm-hmm. with information that no one can verify as a hundred percent fact. Just age everybody up.
1: It, yeah, exactly. That's what it really comes down to, right? It's like, <laughs> why you didn't, didn't you have to do this this way?
0: You had a choice. You could have done anything. This is a fantasy novel.
1: There wasn't conclusive science to say like, yes, this is when they were having periods in prehistory. So there's no reason to do this. <laughs> there's, there's the it's whole disturbing. point. The whole point of prehistory is that we don't have a historical rec- record. So you you don't you aren't constrained by it. You can just do whatever when it comes to the stuff we don't know. Yeah, I,
0: to me, I think it is it is further exacerbated by the fact that these are point of view characters, and they are already like being portrayed as more like childish or more like diminutive Mm. because of their lack of intelligence or whatever you want to say about neanderthals like i it's it's icky all over Mm -hmm. don't like it (laughs) yeah so babies are having babies (laughs) ayla begets she they have a ceremony on the day that they find this new cave oh that's the thing they're not coming back from hunting they're they're looking for a cave because well, we're in the earthquake in the
1: first like three chapters of this book
0: yeah there's no it's fine we're just the rest of it we're gonna skip over and just say there's a lot of abuse she learns to hunt and then isa dies um so <laughs> um they're looking for a cave because in the earthquake their cave was destroyed and some some of their clan died um and Ayla is the one essentially that finds the cave because she wanders off she just she <laughs> exhibits non-neanderthal like behavior and wanders off from the group they find the cave because of that and so everyone's like "Ooh, she's so lucky so they decide uh they're having a ceremony to christen this new cave and at the ceremony the leader's son Brune's son brood who then goes on to have a son named Brock. That's fine. Brood, uh, is gonna go through the ceremony to enter manhood. He he kills a buffalo and he's able to become a man because of it. Um but then he gets really upset and jealous because he feels like he's uh being um upstaged? Is that the word I'm looking yeah, for? Yeah yeah. Yeah. He's being upstaged by Ayla at the ceremony because she is given her own clan totem and that is the totem of the cave lion which is normally a male totem because it's so powerful how could a woman ever have such a powerful totem because then the man's totem can't overtake it so she can get pregnant it's whatever um and everyone is talking about that instead of brood becoming a man and so from that day forward he decides to just absolutely hate ayla and do everything he can to make her life miserable
1: Cool. And the way she is supposed to deal with this is by shutting up and doing what he wants. Yes, and she's happy to do that. Once she
0: like, <laughs> I think this is the part that makes me the angriest. Is like, Ayla, her overcoming these these trials, as she calls them, her mm-hmm. overcoming these trials is by accepting that they happen to her, and just going with it becoming indifferent to it and I'm like that's not coping that's not healthy that's not fun to read
1: about <laughs> I yeah um it's <laughs> this is definitely the roughest part of the book which is to say most of the middle section of the book uh which is just Ayla being it's like 300 pages this yeah book. just a lot of abuse towards Ayla which again it's like okay I guess by neanderthal standards it's not abuse and maybe by 80 standards it's not abuse some of it is but you know like maybe not all of its abuse whatever but like definitely by today's standards it's abuse and there's a lot of like the like thought process and rationalizations of stuff is so like classic uh like there's parts where like brood will be nicer seem like better to to on gaslighting uh, yeah a lot of gaslighting going on there's a lot of um like Uh, Ayla being like oh well yeah the brood stuff is bad but you know the uh the the good parts of living with the clan like because the whole clan is the abuse right it's not just Mm -hmm. brood it's the whole system that she's in um I'm thinking also of like the part where Kreb her adoptive father the Mogur. the Mogur um is like mean to her in order to teach her a lesson about like Um, Like, basically, he withholds love. Being Neanderthal feminine. Yeah, yeah. He basically constantly withholds love from her in order to make her behave in the way that he wants. And then when she does, he rewards her with affection, right? Mm -hmm. Like It's very gross. So even the characters that are, like, good characters and nice characters are, like, still abusive by Mm -hmm. today's standards. So it is very much a slog to get through. yes
0: and again you could say oh well she's you know portraying an ancient civilization that didn't know any better or right. you know they were just this was instinctual or they're modeling themselves after what they've seen cave bears do i don't know that they're the clan of the cave bear i'm just using it as an example but like i even I, again you could have done anything <laughs> <laughs> And I feel like even in, like – and they bring this point up in a book, too. Like, when you look at, like, A, a Pride of Lions, like, they – the women still, like, do stuff and aren't just beaten by the men. So, like, where – where what are you modeling this Ava? Because there's nothing – did you guys just invent misogyny as Neanderthals? I don't – yes. <laughs> is that what we're claiming is – you know, we evolution that just it's natural and we should always hate women because evolution says so.
1: That was kind of the icky parts of the, the I mean like a lot of these, the parts of the books were icky, but some Mm. of it I was like, Oh no, it's not that the author believes this it's just the author thinks that this is what cave people would be like. Right. Like, so I can, I can distance myself there, but Mm. it, it, this sort of thing where it's just like, yeah, this is just naturally, this is the assumption that I have is that naturally, Uh, humans would have started out, Neanderthals at least, would have started out eventually coming up with misogyny. And I'm like, ah, eh, I don't know that that's, like, I think there's other forces at work. I don't know that we have to believe that, like, again, when, like, this, I feel like this sort of rhetoric is so often used in terms of, like, uh, anti-feminist discourse, I guess, Mm -hmm. of, like, oh, yeah, well, you know, of course men need to be out doing the thing because they're the strong ones and nature made them that way and they have to go hunt. And it's like, okay. And she does bring this up in the book, right? She is like, yeah, the Neanderthals don't hunt, but, like, Ayla seems to come from a culture in which women hunt. So, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know where, where it leaves us in terms of, like, Yeah, and the females in in the, like, we she
0: explicitly says in the book, like, the women in the Neanderthal culture used to have a lot more freedom and power Mm -hmm. and respect, but then men got jealous and took it away. So I guess
1: maybe because as they they got jealous and took it away, as they were going through this evolution where their brains got more memory-y and couldn't get any bigger and they could ran out of RAM, essentially. Um, (laughs) So, like, maybe that's the takeaway of, like, as like become like gender stagnate yeah that maybe maybe it is like feminist of being like oh it's it's the stagnation that leads to leads to the oppression of women or something i don't know but it was just hard to read
0: (laughs) it wasn't a lesson that like i i didn't feel like i learned a lesson i Mm -hmm. felt more that this was glorifying a certain lifestyle and i was like
1: i just it's, I feel mm. like I, I do feel like that is because of the time period it was written versus mm. now where like now we don't have to be told that it is bad to hit your wife necessarily, True. you know, whereas like, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> um, but I feel like maybe in the 80s, this was more making a point of like, cause I do think at the end that it comes to a feminist point. Right. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe it's just a difference of like, Hey, we're living in 2020, baby. We are like f- fourth wave feminists at this point, or some bullshit. Um, not that the waves are actually a good system of understanding feminism, but whatever. Um, but you know, like we don't necessarily need a book to to explain to us that uh, <laughs> if you push an abuse victim hard enough, eventually they will leave. Like that isn't a message that we need, right? But here's
0: here's the thing. Also, I guess for me the end of this book she she doesn't leave of her own free will though she leaves because brood finally becomes leader and he's like well i'm putting the death curse on you so the death Mm -hmm. curse is this thing where everyone just ignores you um and you are essentially dead to them but you are yourself are not dead um he puts a death curse on her and she's like well bye I have to leave my son here because he is clan, but I'm no longer clan, so goodbye.
1: But the thing about it that worked for me was that she eventually won, right? He was like put the death curse on her, I mean, and I mean, she she won and she got to she got freedom, right? She got to leave the shitty ass She Klan. did, like, and like, she got to do it in a way that was like she still had her dignity, I guess, and also, well, sort of. She'd been raped like a million times, um, yeah, but she got to uh win in the sense of like brood looked like a shithead to everybody and everybody realized brood was a terrible leader and I guess, yeah i don't know it, it, i wasn't sure how this book was gonna end i think it ended the best way it could have it, yeah um, yeah
0: i'm happy uh, for ayla to be able to go on and because ex- is the only thing i wanted for her the whole book i was like good you learned how to hunt now you can leave yeah now you're not go. dependent on men go leave right
1: Which okay think- you gonna stick
0: around for five more years okay
1: I feel like even though like leaving her kid was kind of like an 80s feminist thing right it was like working it did woman, feel icky right? yeah of you could like- have
0: taken him he was there saying mommy mom or mama mama take me which like y'all know i just i don't i don't like i don't i can't read books <laughs> where mother and children are like separated through whatever me i just i don't like it i'm like fucking take him he's calling yeah. out to you he doesn't have to stay there your
1: kid just take him He's part of the clan. No, he's not. I mean, he'll, have, he'll have those memories. He needs to be raised by the clan.
0: Let's talk about where this baby came from. <laughs> so about chapter eighteen. Uh, yeah, Ayla does learn to hunt. It is against the rules of the clan for her to learn how to hunt, but she keeps it a secret. Um, but because of the fact that she has learned how to hunt, she has acquired a confidence and a gracefulness about her that is just unbecoming of a woman, and Brood can't figure out why he no longer has an effect on Ayla. Like she used to, she used to be scared of him or she used to like really, she used to really rush around to like do what he needed and stuff for her or she needed to whatever, you know what I mean? Um, But because of the hunting thing, she's just indifferent towards him and he hates that. And so about chapter 18, Brood decides the only thing I have left to to hold power over this female he refers to her, um, is by sexually assaulting her continuously for at at least an entire season, probably longer. Um, This is awful. There is a very graphic scene. um, Goes into a lot of depth. It results in her becoming pregnant. Now, the Neanderthals believe that women get pregnant when their personal totems are overcome by a male's totem. And the male can then impregnate the woman through the mouth. They have no idea about sex, even though they have lots of it. Um, Ayla, though, is after her first time having sex, she's like, oh, I figured it out. I figured out how people procreate. Whatever. Um, that's the other thing about Ayla. Okay. Put a note in that. We got to talk about how Ayla is Mary Sue who invented everything. Um, <laughs> the, so her repeated sexual assault results in a pregnancy. Ayla is so happy to be pregnant because she thought she was too ugly by clan standards for anyone to ever want to mate with her. She would never have a baby. It was going to make her super sad.
1: Now, to be clear, she doesn't think it's because she's ugly. She thinks that no one will want to mate with her because she's ugly, but she thinks that she can't get pregnant still at this point because of the overpowering thing. So she thinks that the cave bear or the cave lion is too powerful for any of the men's totems to overpower because this is what the clan has told her, that as a person with a cave lion totem – uh, she will probably be barren because no man's totem will be powerful enough to overpower. Mm. So it's, it's not that she's happy about the rapes because it leads to the baby because she doesn't put those two together at this point. Until That's after. later yeah. that she's like, oh, I guess it's it, – well, she is like – Until the of, baby is born and yeah. then she's like, oh, but you know. She's like, oh, I am noticing genetic similarities between Brood and the baby. Between this, baby. this
0: and – yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so the sexual assaults end up in a pregnancy. She's so fantastically happy to have a baby that she no longer minds the raping and then mm. brood gets bored and stops doing it. Well, that's
1: unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have no words. I have no words for this. I'm so angry. <laughs> so angry. <laughs> Um but then we go through all of that. It's like two chapters of this of her getting raped and then having the baby, and then they end up naming the baby Dirk. (laughs) (laughs) Just like I can't, I can't, I cannot. (laughs) I have to call this baby Dirk
1: now for the rest of the book. D U R C Dirk. (laughs) He's named after the great legend of Dirk. (laughs) Dirk. Oh my
0: god. But yeah, so the clan believes that, like, all of the totems, all of the male totems in the clan overcame Ayla's cave lion totem together. And so Dirk is like a baby of the clan. And all she her um her mother dies. Iza dies. And it well, says she's
1: away on a cave bear party. At yeah. another clan's house, and it's yeah. very no. Actually, like, she it's like back the Olympics of cave people. Yeah, is what they have. Except um, it's and real boring. Lives. If that sounds interesting to you, it's not. It's not. It was real boring.
0: Yeah, they. It was described in the most boring, like off-page way. It was. Yeah. It was stupid. We got all the cooking stuff though, so <laughs> woohoo! Yeah. Um. <laughs> her mother dies, and she becomes depressed because I guess. For her, as a Cro Magnon woman, she processes grief different, grief differently than the Neanderthals do, and they're all like, Why is she so sad? Like this woman's dead. She should put her out of her mind and Ayla can't move on from this. So she falls into a depression. She is unable to continue feeding her son her own. She loses her breast milk. And then the other women of the clan all take turns feeding the baby. And so she's like, This is the every man is a father to my child and every woman is a mother. Dirk is a baby of the clan which is, I guess, how she rationalizes leaving her child behind, that she loves so, so much. I could never, but whatever. There's
1: also a thing with Kreb uh, at the, the Olympics where Ayla interrupts a ceremony because of that she gets drawn into the psychic stuff, and he's able to go forward a little bit because she mm. can do forward stuff, and he finds out that his whole clan is, or, like, all of the Neanderthals are going to die and that uh, the cro Magnons will reign supreme. Um, And there's kind of like this implication That it's like oh it's okay Because Dirk Proves that there can be like Mixing of Mm -hmm. um, Neanderthals and uh, Cro-Magnons, which we now know to be true Yes So like the clan will survive in some way Which is like cool I guess Except that the clan's kind of antagonist As far as I'm concerned So like I kind of don't care if they survive Because they kind of seem like shitheads I don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh
0: yeah i guess was, since we're kind of on the topic of creb um and the what happened at the <laughs> caveman olympics um there is there's ceremony so the women are never allowed to see any of the men's super secret ceremonies because at the ceremonies the men have to like basically like emasculate like, themselves and totems, beg the spirits please, for can help. i have some power yes and they don't want any woman to see that and the most holiest of ceremonies is the ones that the magurs of all the clans get together to have at the at the caveman Olympics, where um, apparently they have they have a pre ceremony where everyone fights a bear, um, and then this guy, one of the guys, died fighting the bear, and so at the secret magur ceremony they pop open a skull and they all start eating his brain. That's a Okay, but then because they do this, they all gain courage, and then they can all share the Mogur's memories. I don't...
1: Now, interestingly, Mm. this is one of the things (laughs) that technically... Might be somewhat accurate because there is evidence to suggest that Neanderthals partook in cannibalism. Mm-hmm. But much like a lot of the other things that she's like, isn't this wacky and wild about Neanderthals? Also applied to Cro Magnons at the time. Like them being real short was also Cro Magnons. I don't yeah. understand. <laughs> it's <I> fine. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like, yeah, so basically there there is some evidence that maybe some Neanderthals occasionally did cannibalism, but it's not really clear if it was for religious ritual, ritualistic purposes, or if it was out of, like, necessity because mm-hmm. of food. Like many human cultures today, including American culture, which occasionally resorts to cannibalism when they need food. <laughs> such as when they are trapped on a mountain pass.
0: Ah, oh, yes, yes, the Donners. <laughs> um... But Ayla sees them eating the human brain, and she's like freaked out about it. And then, and then the Mo'gor is like freaked out that she saw the ceremony, and then the whole revelation about Neanderthals dying. Um, So there's like a huge rift between father and daughter, um, where he just like can't bring himself to like love her as well as Uh, he used to because he's sad about. (laughs) Yeah, like okay, fuck (laughs) off. But then. But then Ayla, she's like, she sees the cannibalism and she's horrified by it. But then she's like, "Oh, I get it. They're eating. They're eating his brain so the whole clan can have the courage of the man who died. So it's cool now." <laughs> Just
1: like, no, okay, whatever. Like, girl, it, that was fast. And also some wild leaps of logic. But I guess you're mm-hmm. a Cro-Magnon, so that's like your thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and she can go forward in time. So here's the thing about Ayla. I I said we would bookmark, and here we are back at it because Ayla's Cro-Magnon. We, to really, like, emphasize this point, Ayla invents and is perfect at everything she does. She invents mm-hmm. – what what are some things she
1: invents? Counting she inv- past 20. <laughs> Counting past 20, she invents using a slingshot with two rocks, which yes. apparently is not a thing you can actually do in <laughs> the real world. Like now. I did
0: not – I could not imagine how it would be done unless yeah. your arm was literally just, like, a windmill. Like, it could just – I don't Girl know what forever. the
1: fuck that I couldn't picture it, but apparently she can do double double rock slingshot, yeah, um she invents bras, else. she invents bras, um, she
0: can just know medicine, like so she doesn't benefit from knowing all the memories of her ancestors um medicine, woman knowledge, but because her mother, a medicine woman, tells her a little bit about medicine, Ayla can know all medicine. <laughs> And knows exactly how to diagnostic per- di- diagnose a person. Yeah, um,
1: so that's cool. I mean, and she's
0: she, actually very beautiful. We just she just thinks she's ugly because she hangs out with. Of New course, angels.
1: this is the most annoying trope that comes up all the time in this sort of book, where it's like one human person amongst aliens, or like one person of one race amongst a group of a different race. You know, Yeah. where it's like uh, everybody in the group that I'm currently a part of. Thinks I'm secret, thinks I'm so ugly because of my, and then insert list of features that are attractive to the reader, mm-hmm, well, or mm-hmm. theoretically attractive to the reader now, where it's like, oh, they hate me because of my long blonde hair and blue eyes and willowy frame. And it's like, okay, girl. It's you can't it's it's a really cheap way of having it both ways, of having it be like, Oh, she was bullied for being ugly and also being like, But you can still jerk off to her, gentlemen. Yes, yeah. <laughs>
0: you don't need to feel bad about thinking she's attractive because she is conventionally attractive.
1: Yeah. Gross. <sighs> Hate it.
0: So then this book ends. Uh Ayla uh, Brune gives up the leadership to his son Brood. Kreb the Mogur gives up his Mogurness to his acolyte. Groove or grog or groog, I don't Goof, remember. I think there was one no of
1: no R. <laughs> yeah,
0: goove goove <laughs> And um, the first order of business business for Brood is he says, "Okay, Ayla, I'm taking you as my second mate, but I'm not taking your son. Your son is going to another hearth because I guess they all they all hang out at different fireplaces." determined by like who your mate is and stuff. They each have their own little fire.
1: And he's sending her to the hearth of his now second in command who is the mate of Uba who we haven't mentioned at all but is uh the biological daughter of um uh uh fucking ayla's mom. Um, <laughs> his name I can't remember Isa, thank you. Yes. Um and is like a so sister it's like to her Dirk's and they're aunt. like Yeah, and they're like best friends and she loves Uba and whatever. Just, you know. Yes. Um, uh, Ayla's distraught
0: by this and Brood's like, you can't talk out of turn. Also, old Mogur. Yeah. Old Mogur Kreb, you're being your hearth of Mogurness is being taken over by the new Mogur, and you have to go to the back of the cave. And Ayla's like, no, he'll die because it's so cold, so cold back there. And he's so old. <laughs> Brood's like, I don't care. Um and then eventually. Brood is like, all right, I'm actually casting you out, Ayla. I'm giving you the death curse because everyone is, like, looking at me like what I'm doing is wrong and punishing you. So I just want you out of here. I don't want you here anymore. And he forces Goof to place the death curse on her so that everyone has to ignore her.
1: I will say I liked Goof. Goof I liked Goof, too. Goof Goof was was (laughs) solid throughout the whole book. He was like, I'm not going to fuck people out of turn. I am going to be respectful. I love my wife to my wife and to my mentor i don't yes. really like brood and i'm just here to keep my head down and, and party on and, I'm and like, i all can right. come up
0: with new ideas good job goof good job goof <laughs> goof is like at first he's like i don't want a death cursor that's dumb and brood pulls rank and makes her makes him do it so she's dead to the whole clan so he just
1: does it like the most petty way he just like walks in and walks out he's like all right it's done it's like, fine it's
0: fucking done it's fine and I then as it. soon as as soon as it's done, an earthquake happens and destroys the cave. And Kreb was still inside the cave, so he dies. Um, and Ayla's real sad about it, but like she's dead to the clan, so no one sees her. But she says to Brune, she's like, Please take care of my son. I know you I know you think I'm a spirit, but I'm not dead, so please take care of my son. And like Brune quietly acknowledges this. And then Brood, his son, the new leader. Is like I saw you acknowledge her and blah 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 blah. And Ayla's like I know you can see me. Hit me if you want, bitch. And he like raises his hand <laughs> to hit her. And then he has this moment where he's like, Oh no, I've acknowledged this Fuck. dead spirit. <laughs> see, this was I the brought part I evil- liked. <laughs> Yeah, into the clan. And and Ayla basically goes, Ha ha! Fuck
1: you, tricked peace ya. Out. <laughs> Ayla's <laughs>
0: out of gonna- here. Yeah, she's have acknowledging my- I exist. Have fun, I with win. My dumb
1: baby losers. <laughs>
0: and then the book ends with her with her son not understanding anything that's happening calling out after her the last words of the book are mama and that's it that's the end fucking sucked that's
1: that's not it for the series let's now play a game called what the fuck happens next (sighs) Um, something we haven't done since laurel k hamilton i believe yeah so it's just a short little quiz i've got three questions here uh they are multiple choice okay um this first one we actually covered in the podcast. Uh, which of the following things is not implied to have been invented by Ayla by the end of the series?
0: Oh, nice, nice, nice.
1: <laughs> A, alcohol slash fermentation. B, the patriarchy. C, <laughs> domestic dogs and horses. D, sports bras. <laughs> she did invent bras. We know this to be true. We know
0: this to be true. All right, so the other three are like from future books. Yes. Okay. I think that they're gonna say she she didn't. I don't think she. Hmm. Okay. Sorry. What was the second one? There's fermentation and domestication. What was this? The patriarchy. The patriarchy. Um. I wanna say she didn't invent. Um fermentation
1: you're correct she yes. does invent the patriarchy because she figures out the sperm thing Yes. she domesticates a dog and a ho- or a wolf and some horses in the next book also wow. she domesticates a cave lion um oh, but then that wow. one goes a little feral and attacks her future boyfriend John delar, which brings us to question two uh-huh. john delar and ayla eventually have a daughter what name do they give her a adhering to the Harry Potter guidelines for naming an offspring, they pick a dead mother figure's name and name her Isa. B. Adhering to the Twilight guidelines for naming an offspring, they smash two names together and name her John Ayla. C. Adhering to the Bible guidelines for naming an offspring, they name her Eve. D. Adhering to the Pokemon guidelines for naming an offspring, they just keep it basic and name her baby. Oh, God. <laughs> uh... I want to go with (laughs) Renezme. You're right. You're so good at this. Oh my God! No, they name her John Ayla because Ayla's figured out the sperm thing and is like, "Oh, she's also part John Dalar. I will name her John Ayla.
0: You could just give her any name.
1: (laughs) All right, final question.
0: Oh my! I hate Ayla so much. Okay.
1: Which of the following is the thrilling conclusion to the end of this epic series? A. After the death of her mate Jondalar, Ayla becomes the spiritual leader of his family's clan. B. Ayla and Jondalar leave his family's clan in search of her birth family. They eventually find them and discover that her mother did not die in the earthquake and has been holding out hope of seeing her daughter again. The pair are reunited shortly before the death of Ayla's mother, who reveals Ayla's true name before dying. C. An elderly Ayla travels back to the clan in search of her son, Dirk, only to be told by Uba that he has left on his own journey to try and find her. She happily settles down to wait for his return, eventually dying peacefully in her sleep, dreaming a possibly prophetic dream of her son's adventures. That's fucked up. D. She's (laughs) she's like, he's (laughs) out there looking for me. He's not going to come back here. D. Ayla becomes the prehistoric equivalent of a sex ed teacher.
0: Oh. Also that. I feel like that it could be like D and plus one of the other three. Mm. Okay. Um I I went to hope that she would go back for Dirk but she probably wouldn't. She's probably just written him <laughs> off. Um A seems very simple.
1: I'm going to go with B incorrect the answer is d ayla becomes the prehistoric equivalent of a sex ed teacher she she does not ever they i guess build up for like the next book or two like a that she wants to go back for her son and b Uh that she still doesn't know where she came from and then they just completely drop those two plot lines and it's just her and john delar fucking through the forest until they get back to his house and like um she joins their their like uh uh spiritual group and they have to have like a revelation basically in order to join and ayla's is Mm -hmm. like hey men are fathers and that's how she invents the patriarchy that's literally the end of the series is ayla invents the patriarchy Uh, ayla why
0: (laughs) um so is he is john johnny boy is he Mm -hmm. neanderthal
1: or no he is he is other he is six foot six this oh, okay. is mentioned many times on the wiki. Of course he is six foot six. Um, he is blonde and blue eyed. He has fucked many other women. Um, I heard but he has he, a huge dick. He has like a huge massive. donger, which doesn't fit in other women comfortably. But Ayla's into it. I think from what I read on the wiki that it's because she's been raped before, but like that's fucked up. Jesus um, Christ! <laughs> but basically, they have special genitals that only work for each other. But then Ayla also like fucks some other people um, because she doesn't get that John Delar wants to like settle down. But also like that's not a thing because the patriarchy doesn't exist and everybody fucks each other. And also John yeah. Delar has a Asian stepmom, so that's cool. Oh. <laughs> okay. His parents are divorced and they're both remarried and his stepmom's Asian and his stepfather. I can't remember what his deal was, um, but uh, his brother and he meet Ayla when they are traveling around having sex with a bunch of women and then get mauled by Ayla's fucking cave lion who Damn. she named Baby. And that is how John Delard's brother dies. And oh, then God. John Delar and Ayla fall in love. This book That's series is wild, y'all. Fuck. That's just uh, all book
0: two. I've heard the first two books are the best books. Um, if this is if the first book is one of the best books of the series, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily ever need to read more.
1: <laughs> I will say it seems like from now on there's a bigger emphasis on consent. Um, there's like I guess a few scenes where because like I guess uh, John Delar's folks all worship like a mother deity sort of thing, and they're like, hey, don't, no, no, no. Um, don't rape. That's no good. Doesn't like it, that mother deity. Uh, also, there's apparently a book in which this one woman has captured all of the men in her clan and keep them in a cage and won't let, Um, and if anybody in her clan has a, a male child, like, kills them. And then, wow. like, it, just because she doesn't understand how sperm works is, like, eventually the men will all be worked to death, and then there will be no more men, and the women will only have baby girls because the men will all be dead and then Ayla figures mm. out that like the only women who are still having babies are the ones who are like sneaking out to the man cages to have sex amazing, amazing, the, amazing. which furthers her her series long theory about how how <laughs> babies came works. where babies come from <laughs> oh wild <sighs> truly a wild series so I mean I guess
0: if <sighs> If the later books in the series do lean more towards, like, consent is key mm-hmm. and yada, 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 that's great. But, like, this is the first book in the series. Yeah. This is everyone's introduction to this world. You need to include that sooner. Yeah. I can't give you credit for something I have no interest in reading anymore. Like
1: Yep. Well, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so I would say that probably wraps us up for this this delightful tale. Thank um, God anything that you request i guess what do you what do you want what do you want what do you want anna in your I, dinosaur cave people fiction
0: <laughs> i want something with a plot i want things to happen um massive battles um i don't know violence but not like this kind of violence that was in this book <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh like yeah and i don't know uh just not as gross yeah what about you? What do you hope to gain from
1: this? Um, I'm just—I mean, like this was somewhat sci-fi fantasy in terms of like the psychic stuff, which was never really clear if that was actually happening or not. But whatever. Um, I would like it to just go full sci-fi fantasy, and yeah. I'm going to go ahead and request dinosaurs. I think yeah. we need to we need to go dinosaurs in the next one. Once I'm
0: talking dinosaurs,
1: <laughs> yeah, or just dinosaurs like a dragon sort of situation, you know, oh, where it's yeah, like where people yeah, ride them. Yeah, there's like a dra- a dinosaur core that'd be yeah. sweet. So, yeah, that will be coming up in a little bit. Uh, Next week, we've got another Morph Monday with Animorphs number 42, The Journey. And then the week after that, we're going to be heading back to my current unit with Great American Novels Part 2. Anna, what are we going to be reading for that?
0: We are going to be reading The Color Purple by Alice Walker.
1: A classic Great American Novel.
0: Yes, it is Pulitzer Prize winning novel from the 80s. So we are moving forward in time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: though I know it's a period piece. So I have not read The Color Purple or seen the movie, but I have listened to several tracks from the Broadway musical. So it's like you've so done, it's like you've done the homework. Basically, already. basically, know, the whole plot. Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, I'm excited for it. I've never read it before. Um either so
1: hopefully it uh busts us out of this uh kind of slump we've been in this summer I hope so. uh, yeah we really need a win here we really mm-hmm. need a good book man we went from from uh well last one that was in may was electra rex mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. all this month we've had uh great gatsby Dug. that that uh other time travel Slip highland time, book Dug. yep and then this one so Dug. really need a <laughs> Need a win here, guys. Please. (laughs) I crave. Um, In the meantime,
0: if you have a book that you know we would love and you would really want us to be happy for an episode of this podcast, you can tweet at us, ShelfAwareCast or email us, ShufflewareCast at gmail.com. We'll also take bad book suggestions. It's fine. We know what you're here for. You're here for the rants.
1: Probably will be quicker to read those, honestly, because they're (laughs) easier to record. Yes.
0: (laughs) Uh, As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. And we are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Because if you don't, then... I will use my brain power to read the memories of everyone who came before me Mm -hmm. and uh, make it so that you do do that, go back in time and do that. (laughs) It makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does, because I'm definitely a Neanderthal thing. Actually, I think I would first go back in time to make it so I didn't read this book. Um, and then that wouldn't apply anymore. I guess I wouldn't have to do that to you. There you go. Use Apple Podcasts. We'd very much appreciate a five star review, but if you don't, that's all right because you are allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you would like.
1: In the words of Gene Owl. Jean M. Owl. They had a name for everything. They knew oak, willow, pine, but they had no generic concept for all of them. They had no word for tree. Every kind of soil, each kind of rock, even the different kinds of snow had a name. So in other words, every rock and tree and creature has a life, (laughs) has a spirit, has a name.
0: (sighs) I wish this were that level of offensive. (laughs) (laughs) Pocahontas' little offensive instead. We got what we got.
1: An unfortunate amount of this book was spent by me going, oh, yeah, I remember those in Zoo Tycoon too. <laughs> oh, yeah, I had an exhibit of those. <laughs> oh, yeah, I picked up their poop. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> Totally, I know what that animal is. <laughs>